NRK. another installment if you will of anarchy in space now eric doesn't know this but i actually kind of redid the intro in the last <laughs> episode beefed it up a little bit made it a little bit crazier really i got it nice. got it in there a couple times bpm synced his anarchy in space with itself did a, did a little uh little echoey thing inside the echoes that are inside other echoes and maybe it's going to be spacey enough for him this time <laughs> it's like a matryoshka doll of echoes see he he was tearing apart my intro and so i tear apart his audio nice so what is this fucking nonsense what am i gonna <laughs> do with this anyways so here's the thing uh we're on episode number three of the expanse how are you feeling about this one you still kind of were you still getting into it at this point or still kind of like yeah i don't know yeah, for for me, this uh, episode was still um, still kind of building up what was uh, about to happen. But I think uh, this one and the next one is kind of the turning point where it's now going to start getting into uh, the beefier subjects on the show. Uh, not so much exposition, but there was like, okay, well, we've established the world. Let's get into it. Let's find out how crazy everything's about to get. I think this one, they really start establishing characters. Yeah. Because prior to this, they're all kind of this blank space or blank, blank slate space cowboys, you know? And what the big thing, if I remember correctly, the big thing that happens in this episode is that they are, we're dealing with the aftermath of him having, of Holden's message. This is what you, you, you hinted at in the last episode where it becomes Remember the Alamo, where now it's Remember the Kant. Yeah. And so you're about to see a whole bunch of shit start happening on the world level. Like global level, universal level, because of that video that he sent. But we're right. also going to start seeing the characters kind of becoming actual three-dimensional beings. And the reason that happens is because when they're they're boarded, they're taken as prisoners by the Martian Navy. Yes. And, and it just, it, over the course of this, they're going to start kind of pulling out little things about each other that even they didn't know. Which is really, right. to me, this is like where you actually start driving a real narrative. Like, literally, the first two episodes are all just world building. And it, while I personally, I'm a D&D kid, so I fucking love world building. I'm like, just give me books of world building. We don't even have to get to the story. Just tell me about the lands <laughs> and the seas and all the people. Yes, exactly. It's not for everybody. I get that. <laughs> no, not not usually. <laughs> so what are some of the one, some of the big things that we actually pull apart? about the about the crew in this uh in this particular episode anything interesting that we we had yet to figure out yeah i think with this one it's the uh we kind of get a little bit more introspective into miller's character since there's kind of riots are now starting to break out on board uh series we kind of speak to holden's character a little bit by um releasing all that audio blaming mars for the destruction yeah of the uh the canterbury and then we get like a little side thing going on with uh, Miller's partner, uh, Havelock, uh, getting swooped up in the attack and nearly getting stabbed to death himself. So I think uh, every, everybody's just getting a little bit fleshed out a little bit more as the uh, story is uh, developing. So if I rem remember correctly, this is the episode where on the Martian ship, they throw them all into confinement in their cells. Uh -huh. And the big takeaways on like the people that are actually on the Canterbury, 
Is it not the Canterbury? Uh, what, whatever shuttle they were on from the Canterbury. I don't even think that had a name, yeah. did it? Uh, I think it was called the Knight. The Knight. See, yeah. uh, I just keep in my head. I have the Rossi, so I just keep waiting for them to get the Rossi. <laughs> we're not there yet. No, not there yet. So one of the things that we find out is that they're not all treated the same when they get bored or when they're on this ship. They yeah. uh, when they first get out of confinement, they kind of put them all in a room and they see that one of them has been taken care of a little bit better than the others. Yeah, it's their uh, it's their pilot. <laughs> it turns out he yeah used to be in the Martian Navy himself. Yes, which kind of uh, lends to some of the things that we saw happen. Some of his objections in right. the first in the first first episode, or was it probably the second episode? So some of the things that he did in the second episode that kind of make a little bit more sense now, where he he doesn't have this uh, perhaps distrust of Mars that everyone else does, because he was literally a soldier in its army for a long while. Yeah, he's uh, not quite. Uh... As uh, as reluctant to uh, share information with them uh, as the rest of the crew is, they're all trying to like uh, play it close to the vest. But he's like, "Yeah, well, this happened, and then this happened." <laughs> now, what the thing that's going to be important uh, that I want to point out in the, about the P character arcs is that each of these people uh, is on that's on this ship, which is eventually going to be called the Rossinante, the Rossi. These three characters all have backgrounds that are very important to why they can do what they do in the show as things progress. You right. have the pilot, uh, who is Martian. You have Holden, which I don't know that we've talked about it a whole ton, but he he's an Earther. He was born on Earth and right. you know, now chooses to live in the outer belts. He has a, a really interesting story in that like he was actually raised by like what nine parents or something like that. Yeah, it was something kind of freaky deaky that happened in a later episode where they're talking about his parentage where he's got all of these different DNA strands in him. Well, no, they bring they bring it up. Uh, they do bring it up in this episode when he's being uh, interrogated. Yeah, because I think they try and ask him, "Well, which one of which one is your mother?" And like he he refuses to cave to what they think of his, you know, what is a family unit. You know, as far right. as he's concerned, he's got nine parents, and they were all like like genetic. They were all their DNA was combined to create him. Is the idea behind it? Get into a yeah. little of the actual tech of the future world. So. We have a Martian, we have an Earther. And then you add to that, we now also have, when we find out, Naomi. That's her name is, right? Yes. So Naomi is, an, is a belter, a native belter herself. But more than that, we find out she's actually, at some point in her past, was a member of the OPA, the Outer Planets Alliance, which right. is, according to the other two you know, places Earth and Mars considered a terrorist organization. Now, you and I would probably think of them as freedom fighters. We may not necessarily agree with tactics, necessarily. Yeah. But the idea that they want freedom for themselves is something that should definitely be applauded. They, they, the whole idea that they're trying to do with all of this is they're trying to utilize the, we'll, we'll call it, uh, for lack of <laughs> nationalism. They want, they want to create nas- nationalism between, in each of them to try and get them to turn on each other. And that's why this is all important for what's going to happen in here. Uh, it's also important later on because when you have you have all three of the particular organizations represented, you actually let me say here because you have all those people represented, it makes it easier for them to kind of not be treated as one part or another. You know, they're not lap dogs of Earth. They're not lap dogs of Mars. They're not strictly rebels like they're just kind of this weird neutral property 
at least that's the way yeah. the story kind of treats them. So yeah, pretty much. Um, it's it, it gets kind of funny. It's like they're almost like an afterthought, but they don't want to let them go too much, you know, because they're the ones responsible for was it ice mining? Whether uh, that's how they get most of their fresh water? Yeah, because you know, they melt down the ice and everything. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. It's like, oh well, we don't really care about you, but we we're not going to let you go. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Of thing. It's kind of fun. Well, and you can see the derision. It's it's the whole ice mining thing is so important because you can. It's analogous to the a lot of things that happen between the first and the third world here in the U.S. Um, in particular, like look at look how your cell phone batteries are made. Look where they're all those rare earth minerals are mined from. Yeah, uh, lithium and cobalt all tend to come from uh, not very uh, developed parts of the world. So. Yeah, and it is not kind to the land that they're taken from. Right, Afghanistan. Anybody go check out Free Market Screen Earth, where I talk about this a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the point is, is that you have these people that feel as though they're being robbed of their resources because that ice comes from the belt. Like, that should be the belt or peoples. They're the ones that do all the work. And yet, by some fluke of organization, the corporations on Earth and Luna and, to a degree, Mars, just kind of get to say, no, we're taking it. It's ours. We call dibs on it. Right. This is going to become basically the entire premise of season four of the show when we eventually get that far, like that it all comes to a head at like how entitled to property the, you know, the earth people and in particular corporations on earth really feel. But in, 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 in the first three seasons, it's definitely simmering in the background because that's the basic reason that you have such pissed off belters because they feel as though they're being robbed and kind of being forced to do the legwork of the robbing for the people robbing them. <laughs> uh, definitely seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, from people of our political persuasion, like there's there's some real questions in there that we kind of have to, uh, we have to grapple with. I mean, a lot of yeah. people, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty positive we're both capitalists. And I think people assume that we, as capitalists, we always go to bat for the corporation. But I, I know in at least my perspective. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. In my yeah. perspective, I, corporations, certainly as they exist now, are entities of the state in and of themselves. They're not corporations as they would exist in any kind in the free market, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, we can try to make that argument all day that, uh, you know, cronyism is not capitalism. There, there's a reason why we use a separate word for it. And uh, corporations, as they exist, I mean, they all get whatever power that they have because of government. And uh, there's also a revolving door of those corporations sending people into government and then coming back out again and getting their jobs back type Who of thing. Who had a really good episode recently talking specifically about like how libertarians have to deal with capitalism? Might have been Jeff Deist. No, no, it wasn't Jeff Deist. The the uh, wasn't Jeff Deist. Okay. I want to say man, it was man, a Mance episode, and he had on. Uh, it was a great interview, Gary Chartier. Yeah, and and it in his specific take was like, look, you have to kind of. I think he's a little bit too hardline with his stance, but the idea that like we you have to make sure that you're you can't out of one fucking side of your mouth 
say, well, capitalism has brought us all this great stuff, and then out of the other side of your mouth, claim that it isn't capitalism. Yeah, and and that's I think true. specifically he's looking at people who say, oh, well, capitalism has brought 95% of the world out of poverty. And then out of the other one, say, well, this isn't real capitalism. You know, it's yeah. not any more honest than, say, a lot of what the, the you know, commies would say, like, oh, that's, that's, that's not communism. Communism's great. We just got to get real communism. <laughs> you, there's definitely a degree to which we're kind of walking that line with ourselves. Um, yeah. I think he's a little too hard on it because I do think, well, you're right. We're not where we should be, but we're still in a place where more is better. Yeah, very true. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what's been going on with Miller? Dig into that a little bit. Okay, so uh, after... Holden's broadcast trigger protest on series. Uh, now Miller's got his hand full with uh, having to deal with an all out riot uh, on board there. And uh, during that, he's uh, kind of had to put his Julie Mao investigation on the on the back burner uh, for the time being. And uh, Miller's partner, Havelock, uh, gets attacked. Is it uh, Havelock who is an Earther, if I'm remembering correctly, from I think season so. one? Or the episode one? Yeah. So they view him as their scapegoat to... Uh, work out their frustration. So he gets stabbed almost to death, but we didn't find that out until the end of the episode. I think, um, that's like the last, isn't that like the last scene in the episode is they spike a fucking piece of rebar through him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just kind of like left in an alleyway, you know, to die. But, uh, yeah, it's, if you're curious, by the way, folks, a really good improvised weapon, the way that they do it, essentially <laughs> they take a piece of metal, like a metal pipe and pack it full of like an exploding, fucking uh compound and then like literally the pipe itself becomes the barrel and you the rebar is the bullet yeah and so they fucking light it up and pop shoots a fucking bar, bar of rebar through a dude i'm just saying you know for those of you who are interested in the boogaloo whatever yeah the something thing. similar on earth would be called a slam shotgun where it's literally two pipes uh together and the one pipe has an end cap with the nail in it and you just slam the shotgun shell in the middle uh, you could probably check out a whole bunch of YouTube videos on how to make those like <laughs> less than 20 bucks at a hardware store and access to a shotgun shell. And there you go. But uh, yeah, he just kind of gets left for dead at the, uh, at the end of the episode. And uh, meanwhile, we got some other stuff going on on earth. Just, just to make a note specifically, why, why do like, and this is, cause this is more than just writing. What happens to him is very specifically a product of politics. Yes, because the way that police are viewed, it's not that they're viewed as even police in any way. They're they are viewed as lapdogs of the companies that run there. Right. Like, so that's the only way, like outward way to attack the entities back on Mars or sorry, back on the moon that are kind of driving what's going on. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, like I said, they just make perfect scapegoats because they're just uh, the other, as it were. Well, honestly, I think what's really even more interesting about them when you think about it from like the, the political standpoint is that like we look at our government as kind of being this this entity that almost exists in its own plane. Like it's here, but it's not really here. It's you know, right. real, but not real. Well, for them, like they... Their government, like the the government, quote unquote, that they have is not here at all. Like it literally is an external force, much like, say, America, as we try and run other nations. Like it's somewhere else 
dictating how things have to be. Right. So, and I think that is a very important thing to uh, keep in mind. Like, you're not even, like, your governments think think back to the fucking Revolutionary War. Like, literally, like, it's the British. You're, you're a whole fucking ocean away, and you're trying to tell me how to dictate, like, what we do out here. Yeah, exactly. The, um, you know, the, even on a small scale, you might as well be on a different planet. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, even back then, it, you know, it was a couple months to go across the Atlantic Ocean to go back to England. So, but not exactly quick travel. Now, during this whole episode, is this the one where uh, Miller is going around and he actually talks to the leader of the OPA or one of the uh, one of the big wigs for the first time? Or is that uh, coming up still? Yeah, that's uh, coming up still. OK. Yeah, I think in this one, like the uh, the riots turn violent and then they kind of have to stop what they're doing with the Julie Mao investigation and handle it. And then they uh, go back to Earth to catch up with uh, Ava Sarala. Uh, doing a little bit of uh, political intrigue, and then they uh, come back to the uh, the Martian uh, warship Doniger to catch back up with the Canterbury survivors. So, what specifically is uh, Avasarala dealing with? What's what's she got going on? <laughs> well, she decides to uh, test a theory uh, that Mars was behind the attack, leaking the Mars uh, leaking to Mars information about the transfer of Martian stealth technology to the OPA, and they figure out real quick that the uh, Mars was not responsible because they don't really know anything about that and nobody can prove anything. Um, so now they're left with this. Who else is now wanting to start a war? But how do they, the way that they actually do this, it's they, it's kind of interesting from like a political intrigue level that yeah. they essentially they spook them. And it's the chatter in the air, like the way in which that the the different basically the way the government starts dealing with itself uh, is how. They would react differently if they knew something. They're acting just as fucking confused as Earth is. So it's like they they you, they they would have played they would have played their hand differently. I guess is the important thing. So she realizes, oh well, they it couldn't have been them. So what's going on? Is it the Belters? The Belters have some kind of t- like tech. Cause the whole thing is based off of stealth technology that no one should have. Right. The only the only people that could have it are Mars because the Mars have like they've advanced their science to where they have really good stealth technology. It's but now apparently somebody else has it, and they don't believe that the Belters could. So process of elimination it would be the people that would have that technology. Right. We're gonna find out that it's it's neither of those parties. It's going to be another entity entirely, but we're, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, this episode still is uh, building a lot going forward. So, uh, you know, once we get into the next episode and the episode after that, that's uh, kind of where the uh, the climax starts to happen a little bit. Well, once again, keeping with the premise that we're kind of learning about the case, first to really starting to learn about these characters. Now, we got to see that Havasarala had no problem being a, a quote-unquote diplomat and torturing the shit out of that belter to get information she wanted. Right. But we're now left in a position where she, in order to get the response that she wants out of Mars to see if she can get the information, she spooks them by literally throwing one of her personal friends under the bus. Yeah, yeah. She's not not exactly a nice lady. <laughs> yeah, like, do they do they ha- have the second conversation in this at the end of this episode, or is that next episode with him? Because her friend loses a fucking ton in this deal. Yeah, I think that might have been the the next one. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll talk about that when that one, when it comes up because you know, essentially, she she asks her friend to start asking questions, and that's what's like that's officially what spooks Mars because. They Mar she they can see that Mars starts asking around to see why he's asking that question. 
And and right. she knows that if they didn't do, they just kind of didn't do anything about it. They knew about it. But because they're asking questions, it means they must not. Yeah. You know, very complicated, intriguing kind of stuff. That's that's probably my least favorite part about the the series is when it gets too deep into the the overt politics like that. It doesn't spend a whole lot of time. Like it, I like when it's asking questions that are really analogous to, you know, how we should handle and comport ourselves as people and nations and things like that. Yeah. That one gets a little too in the weeds of like the espionage part of it, which I think is the least interesting shit in the world. God, I hate like those born movies. They're fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, except for the action bits. Like the action bits in those um, nah. movies are pretty, pretty cool. No, I don't even like action. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, 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 have, I have a very particular taste in movies. And that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, the, uh, the born ones, it, there's a lot of backstory and everything that doesn't get revealed to you all at all at once. And uh, yeah, it's a. A little bit more political intrigue. Uh, the books are like that, too. Um, Have you actually read the books, I take it, then? Uh, I read the first one, uh, the Robert Ludlum. God, that book is old, too, and I think it came out in the 70s, 70s or 80s, something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just, I'm so pumped, and I'm so pumped and excited for, like, the next the next season of this show to drop, because, yeah. uh, especially with how terrible the uh, Star Trek shit has been. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake, it's terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, Star Trek is uh yeah the the original series was campy. Uh, the Next Generation there was a lot of the political stuff going on as well, and then Deep Space Nine was just a uh, one depression episode after another. I mean, my big issue with all of that is that like they it got rid of the core of what the fucking series is about. Like the the important thing about Star Trek is that. We live in a universe like the, the 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 central tenet is we live in a universe where basically all want and need has been gotten rid of. Yeah, post scarcity. And there is a and there and there literally is a benevolent central government. Yeah. Now I think that's a stupid fucking premise necessarily, but that is the premise, and you accept it like that's how things work. So to get rid of that premise like they have in all of the new. J.J. Uh, Abrams track. You've gotten rid of the most important part of that series, and like the thing that mattered most. That was literally the entire concept that he had to begin with. And moreover, it just kind of makes it standard fucking sci-fi at that point. Yeah. Like if, if maybe if they called the show something else, I'd be more okay with it. I probably wouldn't because they, they, there's too so much SJW politics in there too. But like literally, you're you're undermining the thing that made your thing unique. So if yeah. you get rid of, you're just going to be normal sci-fi, whatever. There's far better normal sci-fi out there that I can watch. <laughs> Too many fucking lens flares. Yeah, that's true. J.J. Uh, Abrams is notorious for that. Didn't really do that too much in the star in the new Star Wars movies. He kind of kept the uh, the lens flare to a minimum. Well, I mean, they'll talk a lot of game on the fact that that's put it this way: the the fandom menace uh, made itself known, and he was. He called him out specifically, like so. It was on his fucking mind what he was doing when he made that movie. Yeah, uh, the mo- the most recent one. Like he was trying to kind of. Like, you can tell that he he was trying to keep himself in check because he, he <laughs> like he couldn't deal with like it was going to be a real failure if it didn't happen. Yeah, because you know the SJW types aren't going to see movies. Yeah, pretty much. They they just assume everything's going to be horrible, so they'll wait for somebody to give them a hot take. They're not going to buy comics. They're not going to do any of the things that they're forcing you to change for them. Right. But yeah, it's a little frustrating. But I, definitely, you could you could tell that he the fan service as they call it was the uh, the big takeaway in the new ones. Yeah. 
you know, like I said, I think we covered like all the stuff that was really, really important in this episode. We're still doing a lot of the background and build up. Not a whole lot's happening. You get the the shows are almost more about building that there's a lot of things going on that we don't know about at this point still. Right. So and even uh, yeah, even with the crew on the Donager, you know, coming back to the show and everything. One of the one of the ending scenes is now we have an unidentified ship that's flying towards it. And it's ignoring all requests to divert or identify itself. Yeah. So it kind of leaves on a cliffhanger. So somebody exists out there that's willing to take on a government. Right. Is what we're assuming. Yeah. Who is it? Is it Earth? Is it a rebel OPA faction? Yeah. We don't know. Don't know. <laughs> so and that's what makes it kind of interesting because now you're like well all right well who's coming in on a martian vessel which is kind of known as being this you know uber badass uh out there in the uh at least on the inner planets well well and that's the thing like it, mars is a military society yeah so you know that that's where they pour a much like any other military society like there there is a well-oiled machine with all of the nicest trinkets to work with. Yeah. But let's also not forget that when they first, like this whole thing started because it was the ship that they were on was attacked, right. believably, by a Martian ship too. Like the original signal was Martian. So now we're kind of starting, is it possible that there's like a rebel faction of the Martian Navy? Huh? We don't know. Could be. Military coups have happened before. So... Right on. Well, any any last words you want to get in there? You want to get in any of those technicals you like to uh, bring up? Yeah. Um, so this uh, episode was titled Remember the Cants, uh, directed by Jeff Woolnaw. Uh Came out December 22nd, 2015. Uh, and then another kind of like a ratings drop. So this one got in the, uh, the eyes of 676,000 people out there. Uh, previous episode was in the 800,000s. Um, which is kind of normal for any sci-fi show. It usually starts off pretty big and then dwindles off where they find like a happy medium. Yeah. And so this episode and the few episodes after that are right in that, you know, mid 600,000 range. So and one and they definitely I know with sci-fi shows, they definitely know. Yeah. That's why it got 3 seasons even with ratings like that, you know. Yeah. Because it's sci-fi and they know it's going to take a minute for it to catch on if anyone's going to get into it. And like I said, eventually, like as far as sci-fi was concerned, they never got out of it what they wanted to get out of it. Yeah, that's true. They wanted their next Battlestar Galactica yeah. uh, hit. So, but now, uh, yeah. But hey, Netflix or not Netflix, uh, Amazon bought it. So lucky for us. Yes, exactly. And I, and I, it, it does seem as though it's doing much better on Amazon, by the way. Yeah, they uh, without too much promotion on it you know even if you have prime and everything they don't kind of beat you over the head with it they're just like oh yeah by the way we have this yeah. uh, space odyssey that you might want to check out and then people do well and i know like a lot of the, i mean the reason it's on there in the first place is that, like, there were people that watched it on sci-fi that legitimately campaigned yeah anyone to pick this fucking show up and i guess it's one of those instances where kind of much like they listen to the sjw's they listen to the people on fucking twitter and yeah. wouldn't shut up about it and hey they got it trending so you know that yeah. makes it something to pay attention to yeah similar thing happened with the uh, the show lucifer it was on fox and uh, fox was gonna cancel it and then it was like oh netflix so like well we can make it a netflix original not a problem well i mean american dad was canceled and was picked up again by different companies like that, that happens fairly frequently yeah, it was. I can't remember where that where that showing up. But they go to Comedy Central or something for a while. Uh, went to TBS. Okay. Yeah, TBS and TNT. Um, because of Adult Swim, because that's all owned by Ted Turner. They had yeah. like rebroadcast rights, which is pretty much where Family Guy lived. 
after it got canceled back in the day. It was it was uh, they just played all the reruns on Adult Swim. So when fans got it back up there in like what was it, two thousand six, two thousand seven, went back to Fox. But uh, yeah, they tried the spinoff shows, the uh, American Dad, and then the Cleveland Show. So. Honestly, I prefer both of those to Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a family guy person. My little brother loves it and like I'll watch it occasionally, but uh, I don't necessarily see what everyone thinks of it. So <laughs> uh I do it for a little bit of the uh, the jokes that take too long. Yeah. Well, my for me, like all of my favorite like my my favorite characters out of all those, like I love Steve. Yeah. And I love uh Roger. Yeah. Roger so, the alien that kind of sounds like Paul Lind. Yeah. <laughs> They, they they make the show for me. Yeah, I was a little disappointed when they stopped uh, following around the golden turd. It was such a big part of that show for so long. I know. All right, boss. Well, you have yourself a good one, all you folks out there. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, come back next time. We'll do uh, episode three. No, this is episode three. We're on episode four, bro. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. As of recording of this, we haven't released number two yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. This editing this takes forever. The longer I talk, the more harder it gets. That's so. very true. So let's keep talking. <laughs> oh, no, I got to honestly, I got to get going for another interview here. Yeah. All right, man. Well, take it easy. Just take it easy, Eric. <laughs>